I've entitled the, the message today, Bust Open the Doors, or Bust the Doors Wide Open. And I think, you know, there's some great analogies that we can, we can use with that. But, but first of all, I want to congratulate all of the students that have made it through the school year. Yeah! You have busted open the doors wide open. It's incredible. You made it. Uh, hopefully none of you have to do summer school, but if that's the case, you know, you'll bust through that as well. But on the same token, I want to thank you. I want to say a thank you to all the parents. You know, it's, 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 number one, your, your, your schedules are crazy. Your, your gas driving, the miles that you put on the car is crazy. I mean, you're going from, from entertainment to ball games to activities to, to so many things. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time to invest back into your kids, to give your kids the, 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 the desire, the knowledge and the know-how of what it means to be loved. And so thank you for that. Um, I think it's so important. And my prayer for each of you that is a parent, my prayer is that this summer that your, your family will grow in the faith stronger than it ever has before. And secondly, that your family will grow together relationally better than it ever has before. I think those are the things that I think are so important that we as, as a body of believers can be in prayer about is that our family structure continues to grow. And so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what God's going to be doing in all these things. And so today is today we celebrate, this weekend we celebrate Memorial Weekend. Uh, it's a great thing that's going to happen. We get, a, we get to honor the men and women that have, that have fought the good fight. And they have, they have uh, you know, done everything that they needed to do as, as they fought for our country in military service to defend our cause for freedom. And this flag, <laughs> many of you probably know, you get a flag like this, it usually means that it was over a casket. Well, this was over my dad's casket um, when, when he died, and, and uh, it represents freedom. My dad was a Marine. My dad was a proud Marine. My dad loved the country that he served. And my dad was one of those guys that at the, at the moment... When he went into the military, he wasn't saved. He didn't have a relationship with Jesus. He was from Sterling, Colorado, and, and he got on a, a bus, and they traveled to San Diego, California, and stepped off on the ground of Camp Pendleton. And I would probably just say that at the same time, he probably didn't know exactly what he was doing. For many of you that have been in the service, you know that there's a little bit of unknown to there. But he served. He did what he had to do, like many people and they, and, they, and, and they did everything they could. Well, my dad didn't know Jesus, but 15 years later, my dad accepted the Lord. My dad was still a, a proud Marine. He still loved his country. He still fought for freedom. But when he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, that mission changed to the point that the freedom of the cross had a major impact in his life and in his family's life. And so today I ask the question, you know, as we think about war movies, and we're going to go see Top Gun, how many of you like war movies? Anybody, are we, we got any war movie buffs? Okay, or TV shows, those types of things. You know, there's, there's classic, I'll share some classic TV shows. Number one, you got Hogan's Heroes. 
You got combat, Gomer Pyle, McHale's Navy, uh, Rap Patrol. I mean, these are all classic TV shows back in the day that, uh, you know, you need to go back and watch. But these are great shows. And then you have movies. You got Hacksaw Ridge and you got War Horse and, of course, Top Gun we're going to go watch today. You got these great opportunities to, to think about, you know, all, all the things that went through in, in the war. Well, how many of you have seen the movie Private Ryan? Okay, another classic movie. Okay, you can probably all kind of understand what, what's taking place. It's in France in World War II. And the, the military, the Department of Defense found out that, hey, here's this family that's, that's uh, got four, four sons. And three of them have already passed away, have already been killed in action. And so they sent Tom Hanks as the leader of this unit to go out into France and to try to figure out where this fourth son is. Fourth son, of course, was named Private Ryan. And through the process of going through that, um, the, to try to find him, they, they went through, of course, obstacles. They, you know, had to fight the enemy. Some of them in that unit had uh, lost their life. Um, some of them were wounded. And so they went through a, a major part of that, and that process of going through that. And one of the things they said is, why is this life of this private as important than the lives of being, that are being sacrificed to try to find him. And Tom Hanks, as a leader of the, of the unit, was trying to encourage his men, and yet at the same time to understand that the mission that they had to follow. And finally they located Private Ryan, and they said, hey, here, we're here to take you home to your mom. And Private Ryan said, what? I have orders to follow. There's this bridge that we have to protect. The Germans can't cross. And if they start to cross, we've got to blow it up. These are the orders that I have to follow. And so they agreed to, to withstand taking him back. And they were, going to, they were going to fight alongside of him. They were going to try to, you know, and he was going to be off in the back. And they were going to protect him. And they did that. But in the process of that battle, everyone in the unit died. And here comes Private Ryan. And Tom Hanks is dying on the field. And he comes trying to help him and and Tom Hanks says just continue to go on and he said these words earn this in other words go and live in such a way that you deserve the lives that have been sacrificed to save you and so in our bible text this morning we will see that this we'll see this in action luke includes three prison escape miracles in which jesus does the incredible he sets captives free. In Acts chapter 5, the apostles were arrested for performing healings at the temple. And the angel of the Lord opens the prison doors and sends them back to the temple to preach the whole message about this life. In Acts chapter 12, Herod arrested Peter right after he had killed James. Right after James had been killed, an angel of the Lord causes the chains to fall off of Peter's wrist and, and walk them out walked him out of the prison, even though he was sleeping between, or he was between two sleeping guards. And then finally, in the text that we'll be looking at today in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 34, Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas were, were in that place that they were at the, at the, at the, the beginning or at the, at the doorstop of an open gate. And there was freedom at that door. And so let, I want us to think about that for a moment. Number one, you Acts chapter 5. What did the apostles do? They went right back to what God, God had called them to do. They went right back to preaching the gospel. They got delivered. 
They got set free. And they went right back to preaching the gospel. In Acts chapter 12, we see what did Peter do? The, the, the cuffs, the chains, the shackles got released. They fell to the ground. And it said that Peter got up, that he took action. He got up and followed the angel of the Lord out of the prison. And then we see in, in Acts chapter 12 or Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas, even though the gate was open, they waited. They waited at the gate. And so thinking about the way that we live our life, is it, is it worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we, are we doing what it, what we are, are we doing what is needed in order to be successful in our walk? And I started thinking about the, thinking about that this week and what it would feel like to not get away, but yet the door was open. And I watched a video a couple weeks ago and there was a, it was a young second grader that was on third base and the batter was up and the pitcher threw the ball and the batter hit it and went to the pitcher and the coach, what does the coach do when the ball's hit? He yells, go, right? He said, go. Maybe you're one of those coaches. Settle down, right? No, but the coach is yelling at this little second grader and telling him to go, go. And then the second grader, he's running a couple steps and he sees the ball and he sees the pitcher. He goes, well, I can't go home. Even though it's open, he can't go. So he runs back. The coach is yelling at him. And the little kid starts taking a couple steps and he sees the ball. He sees the pitcher. He doesn't know what to do. He's frozen. And even though there's opportunities for, for him to be able to go home and he could have made it, there was things that were standing in his way. What he appeared, things that were closed. And I'm sure when you think about the group of men that went to go save Private Ryan, that there was probably some things that they, they had doubts about. Doubts about waiting. Doubts about, we shared about doubts about, you know, why, why are we dying just to save this one? But yet they also knew the importance of the greater mission. And these are moments that we have circumstances outside of our control. And sometimes they take wax at us. Everything. They're taking wax at everything that we do. Things that we consider to be secure and safe. And ultimately to be standing in what feels like the last chance that we have. And then I thought about that a little bit. That may be how a lot of us are feeling today. You feel like maybe you're barely holding on. If it's not one thing, it's another. You're not quite sure what to do. You're not quite sure where to turn. You're not quite sure if the things will ever change. And to be honest today, you're probably saying, I don't know if I can even continue to endure. Every day, you may want to bust through that door, but you can't. And if you feel that way today, if you feel like things are crumbling around you and you go from door to door to door and they all seem to be closed they all seem to be shutting. Maybe, maybe even to the point to where you don't want to open up the door because if you open up that door, everything around you is going to crumble. And so you just stay behind the closed door. And maybe you're stuck. You're stuck at that dead-end job. You're stuck at that closed door of unemployment. Or maybe there's a closed door of health door of a relationship or maybe you've gotten into you've gotten the, an addiction and the door of freedom just seems to be closed or maybe there's a door of financial uh, instability and you just can't seem to break through i don't know what doors that are closed in your life today but i but i i know there, there's a way for you to be open to be able to be able to open up the door
I know that God wants the closed door of painful circumstances. The closed door of frustrating moments. The closed doors of doubt and disappointment and fear to be opened this morning. And I want to be able to share with you today that these doors can be opened. Because the Bible, Bible clearly just demonstrates for us how to open these doors that are closed in our life. So I want us to open up our Bibles, open up a, a Bible app, look at your notes, go to the church app. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 16, verse 16. And we're going to pick up in the middle of Paul's story here. Paul had been traveling from one province to another, from one town to one city, to one area proclaiming the message of Jesus. And ultimately, he was there to start churches. And so Acts chapter 16, verse 16, it says, Once when we were going to that place of prayer, everybody say prayer. Once they were going to that place of prayer. Now you think about that. Isn't that the way? I mean, here you are, you're getting ready to have a prayer meeting, and someone comes up and starts to distract you from where you're going. It says that we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners, for her owners by fortune telling. You think about the fact that you just get ready to come to church. Something happens. You get distracted. You, you have to take care of the situation. On June 18th at 9 a.m., we're going to have a prayer, a prayer time, a prayer meeting. For an hour, we're going to come together as a church. We're going to pray. We're just going to hang out for an hour and pray and worship our Father. And at 8.45, you get that phone call or you get that situation where you have to go and, and assist something, help somebody out. That distraction, that's kind of what's going on here. These guys are just going in to pray. And this female slave had a spirit which she predicted the future. She comes in and starts talking. And in many ways... She was the ancient predecessor to the psychic network where she comes to you instead of you making that phone call. But I want to encourage you as a side note, don't go to a psychic to find out the hope and the reasons and the ways to open up closed doors. Okay? And so the first point that we write down is persecution is not new. Persecution is not new. Jesus taught us in John chapter 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it has hated you. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Persecution is not new. And you're probably, there's probably some in this room that have felt that persecution. In verse 17, it says, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. Everybody say shout. They were following them. And she shouted, these are the men of, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She was shouting this. And first of all, don't you, I know I do, hate the going down this road. I hate going down the road of of someone coming up and trying to be nice, trying to, trying to, you know, do the, have that conversation, but only knowing that in the behind the scenes they're trying to tear you down or they're trying to see if you'll stumble. You know, I hate, I hate going down that road. And this is what's happening. When we look at this woman, she appears to speak the truth. Here are the men of the Most High proclaiming 
the good news of Jesus. I mean, that sounds good, right? It sounds like, hey, you know what? If you want to come and prepare the, the way before we get there. But that's not what she's doing. Not only is she in bondage to the demon who forces her to speak, she's also in bondage to the men that own her. See, this isn't a, a, a profession of faith that she's making. She's actually taunting Paul and Silas. She's actually trivializing the, the, the action that they're doing. She's trying to make fun of them. And so she kept this up for many days. And can you imagine the conversation between Paul and Silas? Well, it'll be all right. Let her just vent for a little bit and she'll get over it. And tomorrow when we get up, we'll be fine. And she'll be gone doing all, you know, going out and pestering somebody else. They wake up in the morning. They walk out of Motel 6. And there she is. These are the men. And they're like, oh, are you kidding me? It says, so finally it says, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you. Everybody say, I command. <laughs> I believe that we need to have the understanding that you can have the authority to do what Paul is doing here. I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. In other words, Paul is saying, not today. In fact, I kind of like the tactics that Paul is using here. Paul was, and Silas, they were, they were patient, they were resilient, they were composed. And finally, bam, I am going to unleash the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. And in the name, I command you to leave. And what happens? The, 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 the spirit left. That's the authority that we can have. And I'm thinking about, you know, trying that next time. Right? Next time I kind of, I'm going to kind of use Paul's tactic. You know, next time maybe I see the Chiefs on TV, in the name of Jesus! You know, just pull out that screaming at the TV and just kind of proclaim it. You know, because I mean, the Chiefs are kind of annoying, right? I mean, it's just, it's just, that's just a common thing. It's like every time I preach, I just got to bring up how, how annoying the Chiefs are. I apologize, but I'm trying to set you guys free. But, it leads us to point number two where it says persecution can come from multiple angles. Paul and Silas were just trying to go and pray. And here's this woman that's yelling and shouting and trying to basically make fun of where they were going. And Paul commands her, commands that the Holy Spirit would touch her. And it says that persecution can come from multiple angles. We see in verse 19, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them. Everybody say drag. They dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. These owners seem to be free. If you look at them, they're like, oh, you know what? They're, they're pretty good, upstanding guys. Didn't really know the situation behind them. But all of a sudden, when this woman was healed, when this woman was delivered, all of a sudden... These men became angry because they touched their source of income. And it's clear that they were in bondage to money. And that they were callous to the fact that this woman was healed. This woman was set free because they were using her to their advantage. And so persecution can come from multiple different angles. In our walk, in our situations in life. They can come from friends. They can come from family members. 
They can come from different situations that we're involved in. Maybe today you feel like you're being dragged into that area. And you don't know which way to turn. It leads us to point number three. Encountering the gospel promotes questions. In verse 20 it says, They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are the Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. So let's just stop here for a second. You know, what's going on? Just like that, everything changed. Things were going well. Doors were opening. Opportunities were abounding. And they were on their way to pray. And just like that, in an instant, everything was changed. A good day quick, quickly turned into a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Just like that. How many of you have ever had a day like that? Right? Open doors became closed doors. Entering the gospel. Entering the gospel. Excuse me, encountering the gospel. Encountering the gospel promotes questions. Like turning from your old ways and not doing what you once did. A decision that is made and now your integrity is in question. A decision to sacrifice time, to sacrifice work, to to do the things that you think are more important, and that is spending time with your family. And all of a sudden, you're second guessed now about how much time that you're spending away from work. Even though you feel like God is showing you how you need to be able to spend more time with your family. And so as we, as we encounter the gospel, the doors begin to open. Opportunities begin to, to happen because we see what God wants us to do. We see what God's trying to open the door for us. And there will be times when everything you're doing to glorify the king is in question. Everything that we do sometimes will be in question. It would lead us to point number four. What are you going through? What you are going through is what God is bringing you through. The crowd joined in verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. That sounds kind of painful. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into the prison and the jailer was was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. See, Paul and Silas were attacked and stripped and beaten and flogged by something outside of their circumstance, something outside of their control. They were trapped, the doors were shut, and the key was thrown away. And isn't it, isn't it something how fast things can change? One phone call, one meeting, one decision, one Facebook post, one rumor, one lie, one report, one conversation, and all of a sudden, everything changes. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, Where Paul encourages us to fix our eyes, not what is seen, but what is not seen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul says, fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on him. Because God, God is the center. God is the place that we need to be able to focus on. Maybe today you're sitting in the dark facing a closed door. And you can't, 
And you can relate to what Paul and Silas are going through. Maybe you are the one that has dragged somebody else into the open courts. Maybe you're the one that's causing the situation. Maybe you're the one that's shouting to make somebody else look a certain way. But when we're honest, the feeling is the same. What we're going through. What you are going through is what God is bringing you through. Can I tell you this morning that, that even though you're going through what you're facing, that God has a brighter side on the other end. Pastor Ryan says all the time that you can read more, you can pray more. doesn't mean that you're not going to go through the storm. Can I tell you today that what you're going through is what God is bringing you through. God is bringing you through that situation so that you can have victory on the other side. That you can have hope on the other side as you go through what you're facing. God is there in every situation. And I want to show you how important that little step will be able to guide you as you draw to him. As you want, as you begin to learn how to bust open that door. Point number five says when you worship, your circumstances get smaller, but your God becomes bigger. When you worship, your circumstances become smaller. Why? Because you begin to focus on the king. You begin to focus on the Lord. And he becomes your anchor. It says in verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Paul and Silas were recognizing that God holds the key to every door, every closed door, every door that they would be able to see that God was in control. Paul and Silas weren't looking for approval from those in jail. Paul and Silas were worshiping. You want to know what to do when the doors close and circumstances have overwhelmed and you feel full of despair and discouragement and you want to know what to do, you worship. I think many of us understand worship when all the doors are open. When you got the job, you got the car, you got the family, you got the health, you got every situation covered, it's easy to be able to worship our God and to be thankful for what you have. But when the doors close and there's nowhere else to turn and darkness has set in and pain and hurt and frustration and fear are holding you captive, that's when worship does something. That's when worship means something. And that's when worship becomes something in your life. When we worship our King, Jesus Christ, it allows the Holy Spirit to begin to move and the fog of all the circumstances become clear. In our society today, we've learned a a different type of worship When we win the game at the ball field, we have a a sense of worship, a sense of excitement. When our team scores a touchdown, we erupt into a spontaneous, excitable praise. When our child brings home, be careful, when your child brings home a successful port card, oh, may the praises come out of the parents' minds and mouth. Right? I mean, we're excited about that. All those things are good things to, 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 to praise. To tell the kid, hey, great job. You got a good report card. Man, you did a good job out on the field. Those are all good things. 
God has created us to be a worshiper. Worship is saying, I value this and I'm showing it. Worship is saying that in this moment, nothing has more importance. Worship is taking off, is taking our eyes off of everything else and placing it on the one thing that has the most attention. And that's what worship is. That's why it's the greatest thing. The reason why we have worship here at Central isn't so that the worship team can be up here and just use their gifts and talents and just, and just do their thing. We worship the first 15 and 20 minutes we, because we understand that there's a door in our life that may be closed. That there may be something going on in our life that only God can deal with. And so these first 15 or 20 minutes of worship is a, is a process for us. It's valuable because it gets, it's our chance to collectively say together that Jesus is the I am, that God, you are my king. It's a chance to say at this moment that when the world is crazy around us and things seem to be falling apart in my life and the doors seem to be closing, God, I am going to worship you. It's putting our attention on the one and only true God. And I'm telling you, something happens in those moments. And sometimes some of us miss it. Some of us miss it. We miss the worship. And we get stuck behind that closed door. Some of you are looking around, no doubt, like the other prisoners were like when in the... In the, the other prisoners were like, and they were like, why are you guys so expressive in your worship? Why is that person singing so loud? We think about those types of situations because sometimes the ice around us is breaking. And the doors are closing and the circumstance, circumstances are overwhelming. It's because sometimes we think that we got it all together. But can I tell you today, that our Jesus is greater than all of those things. He is greater than the cancer that we face. He is greater than the rejection. He is greater than the hurt and the pain and the frustration and the, and the disappointment that we have. He is greater and the worship that we do is my chance to say, Jesus, I am, I am overwhelmed, but you are the overcomer. Can I tell you this morning, the reason why we don't stand in the foyer and just chat, the reason why we come in here and we praise and worship is because he is the overcomer, and we have things that we need to have doors open. And it's because of that willingness and that opportunity, God begins to show us, and great things begin to happen. Verse 26, I'll prove it to you, Paul and Silas, they were praying and suddenly there was a, such a earth, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came close. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew a sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. So the first thing is he probably didn't have a bick in his pocket to flight the flame. So it probably took him a little bit to get the light turned on, right? Can you imagine all the things and all the processes of all the rules and all the laws that the jailer knew that he needed to have? And he was probably, he, he probably had that moment of, well, oh my goodness, when we get the lights, where is everybody going to be here? 
You see, worship opened the doors, and if it happened for Paul and Silas in prison, it can happen for you, no matter what circumstances that you face. Worship is how open doors or how closed doors are opened. Paul and Silas worshiped in the midst of their circumstance. And they begin to have a perspective that says, God, by whatever means, whatever means, God, I want to worship you. Something happens when we turn to him with a confidence in our worship. Everything in our life, every door, every problem, every challenge, every situation, God begins to work in as we worship. When we can make much of him, and learn to make little of our problems. I'm telling you, something is going to happen. Proverbs 14.26 says, In the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord, there is a strong confidence, and His children shall always have a place of refuge. There's a place of refuge for each and every one of us. And so as we close today, I, wanna, I want us to be able to worship. I want us to, to learn of the value of looking at every closed door as another opportunity to praise and worship the greatness of our God. I want, us to, I want us to listen. I want us to be able to get God's attention that will open up the doors that are closed. And we do that by worship. Can I tell you what that means? It means that when you worship, you can lift your head no matter what's going on in your life. You can lift your hands in honor and submission to Him. It means that today if the ice is broken in your life, if circumstances have overwhelmed you, if the door is closed and it's midnight, it means that you can have the confidence because you have a place of refuge. You have a place to go. See, worship takes you there. When you worship, it's a way for the doors to open. When you worship today, you have the opportunity to proclaim that I believe it, that I believe it, God. I believe what you're doing. I believe in where you want me to go. In the next few moments, something's going to happen in your life as you begin to worship. Closed doors are going to begin to bust wide open. Miracles are beginning to happen. I believe that as we begin to understand the authority that we have, that God's going to begin to do things in your life. Some doors have been opened. Like Paul and Silas, for some of you, the door has been opened. God has provided a way, but you haven't been able to step through because you, maybe you haven't had the faith. Maybe you haven't been strong enough to take that next step. But God said, Today the doors will be open as you worship. Today you'll have the strength to take that next step. Today you'll have the courage to do what you need to do to overcome that situation. You see, the process is often long. The process is more painful sometimes than we expect. And the process involves more people than you thought. But can I tell you this morning that what you're going through is what God is bringing through you. God is providing a way for you right now. What you're going through, God is going to bring that through. And you're going to see, you're going to see him in the midst of that. That leads us to point six. Our last point that says the gospel presents a choice. 
The gospel presents a choice. We see that in verse 30. It says, he then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. And the, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them to his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. See, the power of the message through the gospel changes lives. It's an incredible peace when we begin to realize that the gospel presents a choice. And today, I want to present that choice to you. See, the jailer cried out and says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to get through this closed door? And Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus with all of your heart. See, I don't know what door that you're facing. I don't know the situation that you're going through. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's financial. Whatever it is. But can I tell you today that today you can be set free. Today it says that they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And the jailer brought them to his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. Can I tell you today that there are moments in our life that we don't know what our next steps are. And we need to worship. Craig's going to sing a song that says, Jesus, when you come into this room, sickness leaves. Jesus, when you come into this room, hope happens. Jesus, when you come into this room, doors open. Can I tell you today that God loves you? And maybe you're here today and God, you you are walking with God stronger than ever. Then our worship needs to proclaim that God, you are worthy of my praise. God, you're worthy because we want the next door to be open. And if you're here this morning and you don't know who Jesus Christ is, can I tell you today, today is the day to be set free. Today, that door of salvation can open. And he can begin to fill the void and the situations and the hurt and the struggles and the disappointments and the loss and the things that we think that we can't overcome and Jesus says let me come in ask me to come in and today you can be set free let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you for today I thank you God for the opportunity to know who you are like the jailer that said, what, what does it take to, to believe? What does it take to be saved? God, if there's one in this place today that's struggling in their faith, God, I pray that you'd give them the strength. Today, as they worship you, God, be with them. God, if there's one today that they see a closed door and they don't know how to be able to get through it, they don't understand it. God, may they understand that you're with them through everything. And God, I ask that you'd protect them. 
as we worship today, God, be a miracle in people's lives. If you need prayer today as we stand and sing this song, I'll be in the corners, a corner to pray, to believe, to lead you to wherever we need to go. Amen. So let's stand.